Hey folks, this is the Jim Brockmeyer Podcast. I'm your host, former Major League Baseball announcer, and a man for who the past two months has had a blood alcohol level that perfectly matched Jacob deGrom's ERA. I'm Jim Brockmeyer. 0.58, by the way. I'm joined yet again by my co-host and producer, Sheena Dodd. Hello there, Sheena. Hey, Brockmeyer. Sheena, Sheena, Sheena. The MLB Sticky Stuff Enforcement has begun. It sure has. And boy, oh boy, has it been awkward. It really, really has been. I mean, I kind of feel the worst for the umpires. I mean, it's degrading enough knowing that everybody's talking about how you're going to be replaced by robots as soon as possible. But now you have to spend the twilight of your profession publicly running your hands through Max Scherzer's sweaty hair? What did they think he was doing? Hiding sticky stuff in his hair? I mean, I guess, but that's obviously ridiculous. Any adult man with his hair thinning like Max Scherzer is not going to be combing his head with spider tack. I mean, every hair follicle is much too valuable. I bet he doesn't even let scotch tape near the crown of his head. He doesn't even have enough hair to hide anything. I mean, I understand if Scherzer took off his hat and suddenly had Morrissey's pompadour under there, but that was not the case, clearly. The incident that got me the most, though, my goodness, was Sergio Romo. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw that. The ump wanted to check his belt for substances, and he dropped his pants? No, he angrily dropped his pants. I mean, full-on pants around the knees. Haven't seen somebody angrily strip on a baseball field that quickly since last time I won a bet with Boog Shambi. I mean, yeah, I understand why, of course, Romo would be angry. Well, of course. I mean, you're suspected of cheating, so to prove you're not, you're made to strip down? I mean, it's degrading, and it happened in, well, most of my recent relationships. Really? What were they checking you for? Oh, the usual. Hickeys, new smells, mysterious rashes, uh, pine tar. Pine tar? Yeah, you know, just to up my spin rate a little bit. Your spin rate of what, Brockmeyer? Yeah, Sheena, for your sake, uh, I'm not going to get into the visual details of that one. I'm going to get on with the show. Well, we have some very, very special guests today. They're people who are extremely important to me. Not only do they make this show that you're listening to happen... They're also the hosts of the Dan Lebetard Show with Stu Gatz. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you Dan Lebetard, and he just happens to be with Stu Gatz. Uh, welcome, gentlemen. Thank you, Jim. No, no, thank you. What a pleasure to have you both here. I, I really wholeheartedly mean this when I say that you two were the first names on my list to have on this podcast the minute we found out that Colin Cowherd wouldn't do it. You guys were my first thoughts. (laughs) I mean, at the moment I realized that we've been ghosted by the herd, I just had to have you both on. I do understand why he bailed. I don't know if you guys do, but I've I've just said so many negative things about Colin Cowherd over the years. He just has too much self-respect to help me out now. But but thankfully, you guys do not. So uh, welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, you don't need to, but you definitely don't need to respond. I'm, I'm perfectly happy just to have you here as props, and I just keep talking. That's what I tell all my guests. That's, that's my entire role in his life. <laughs> I just feel more secure when people are around, so don't feel the need to say anything at all. But I want to say to you, first off, congratulations on everything that you've accomplished since leaving ESPN, specifically getting me to do a podcast. What a big get that was for you, getting me to help you guys out. At the time I agreed to do this show, this podcast. You guys had just left Disney. And Dan, you in particular were talking just a million miles an hour about all the possibilities for the future and all the big plans you had. And to be honest, Dan, I assumed you were in the middle of a manic episode. Uh, so I would have agreed to do whatever you wanted just to keep you away from sharp objects. Um, <laughs> are you all right? Have you cut yourself? Have you hurt yourself or anybody else? How you doing? 
It was the blow, Jim. It was the blow. It wasn't a manic episode. It was actually cocaine. <laughs> it speeds everything up. Are you off it? Have you calmed down with it? Are you settling in or what? It's an occasional dalliance. All right. Stugatz, is he all right? Is he, did, he, did he hurt anybody, himself, you, anybody? Is he doing all right? He's doing okay, and it's not the occasional dalliance for me. Just, you know. Oh, you're, you're more consistently on <laughs> I'm the on it now, oh, Jim. All right. Well, you, you, guess, you guys don't get very talkative when you're on the blow. Usually I'm a mile a minute. You know, before I started this podcast, I'd listen to your guys' show a lot, and I would consistently think to myself, you know, I could do this. This is very easy what these guys are doing. They sit around. They talk out their ass for a couple hours. I mean, you mentioned sports once or twice, so it seems like there's a purpose other than your own self-aggrandizement. I mean, seemed like no problem to me what you guys do. And I have to say, I have to admit that now that I've been doing this for a little while, I have to say that I was exactly right. This is ridiculously easy, what you guys do. And the fact that you get paid to do it is an embarrassment. And not just for you, but for society. What society places value on in general. So my question to you is, how do you guys live with yourselves? Comfortably. <laughs> Lucratively. Shiftless, lazy, or freeloaders? Which do you think more accurately describes each of you? Is all of the above an option? Or? Sure, yeah. I would have said Stu Gatz is more the obvious freeloader. Dan seems kind of shiftless, and uh, Mike Ryan, the producer, he's kind of lazy. He seems lazy to me, because he always just whines every time he has to do any actual work. Have you noticed that? Is he always? Is like that with you guys too, or just with me? Lazy is not a description I would use for Mike Ryan. I don't know what it is that you have found lazy. Would you about use him. whining though? I mean, whining, yeah, whimpering, whining, but not lazy. All right. Well, I'm just saying because yeah, when he when there's actual work to do, he's like, well. Hey, like a siren coming down uh, Broadway. But I guess he does do it. I guess lazy is not. Annoying. Let's just call him annoying. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, Dan, I want to talk to you about striking out on your own. I wanted to talk to you about that, but it turns out you've been yammering so much about that on your show, about that very topic. You actually you actually issued a message to your fans apologizing for it because people are getting kind of annoyed at your yammering. Is that right? Did you do that? That is something that happened, yes. I was uh, I was manic. I would say that's an accurate appraisal. Yes, yeah, so I was right. But you haven't cut yourself or anybody else. You didn't Not go that yet. far. The apology was yammering, though, right? The apology was also yammering, yes. <laughs> yeah, it was also, may I say that it was cowardly, Dan, because a real sports radio host never, and I mean never, apologizes for his yammering. Yammering's your job. It's what puts, it puts yams on the table. I mean, if fans don't like something you're yammering about, I actually have a saying about this. You know what my aphorism is about that? I do not. Uh, it's tough shit. That's my aphorism. I mean, they can go back to being alone with their thoughts like the losers they are. That's how I feel about it. They don't like my yammering. That got a little too dark, didn't it? It really did, but you started at me cutting myself and others, so I suppose darkness is part of the playbook with Brock Meyer. Yeah, I guess it is. As dark as that is and how awkward and semi-not funny as it was, it's not as bad as apologizing for yammering. Let me ask you, you think Mike Francesa ever apologized for his yammering? Do you think he did that? Nope. Or apologized in general for anything. I don't believe he did. I don't Well, he probably wanted to, but then he fell asleep. <laughs> but people being annoyed by him only makes his powers stronger. Same with Stugatz. Stugatz, have you ever apologized for your yammering? You ever done that? Uh, in 20 years, no, Jim, I have never done that. And I don't plan on doing so if we do it another 20 years. Very good. I admit there was one particularly awful season for the Royals in the early 2000s. I spent an entire game just saying gibberish in an attempt to find something that rhymes with Chuck Knobloch. 
And uh, people were furious, but I did not apologize for that. And it didn't work out to it. Most of my stuff, uh, the words I came up with were not radio appropriate, you know, like suck cock block and fuck sock hop and duck lob frock and uh, you know, knock chock lock. I mean, knob lock itself, even without rhyming with it, it already sounds like a 19th century STD, doesn't it? You sleep with a sailor, you're going to catch a nasty case of knob lock. You had that once, Jim, right? Knob lock? I did. Yeah. It was related to the scurvy. I'm actually going to talk about scurvy with you guys later. But um, may I say, though, that if I were you two, I would be quite scared. And I'd have regrets about leaving ESPN. Because instead of being beholden to Disney now, you're now beholden to your fans. And you have to keep them happy. See, ESPN, if we've learned anything, we've learned that ESPN does not care about keeping their fans happy. We know that. That's why they keep giving work to Mike Greenberg. Now, is there a part of you that already misses the ability to just sit back and relax into the protective, warm, white glove of Mickey Mouse? Any part of you feels that way? I mean, of course. I uh, I still tell people I work at ESPN. <laughs> you do. You just deny it. You're like a denier. Gets me in restaurants. <laughs> Wow. How about you, Dan? Do you go that route? Do you just pretend you're still, you just get all the benefits of Disney without being there? I don't miss it. You do not miss it at all? Not even a set, not, not anything about it? I do not. No, I'm happy to be free and untethered and not have to answer to anybody. It's not particular to Disney. I'm happy to not have anything in the way of corporate overseeing. You might be the exact polar opposite of Mike Greenberg. You're the yin to his yang. I think anybody in the world turns on the TV and they're like, oh, wow, Mike Greenberg, I got I to gotta stay tuned for this. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think anybody does that. Think of the freedom that Mike Greenberg has just to be as boring as he likes. You ever miss that? Because people feel nothing towards Mike. He doesn't make people happy. He doesn't make people angry. That's why corporations love him. He's just safe. He's like a, a living PowerPoint presentation. Do you guys ever get envious of that? Just the neutrality of uh, the, the vanilla middle of the road that he gets to swim around in? There is something that is that is really safe about it that I, I am envious of Greedy. Yes, I am envious Stugatz of his, his boredom. Stugatz yes. is absolutely envious of all things Mike Greenberg. Uh -huh. All of them. Is that true? You have a Greenberg envy? Yeah, why, why is that? Why do you have? I mean, uh, I have no idea why I've been bashing on him so hard for the last two minutes. Uh, we could start the with the paycheck. I mean, yeah, yeah, no, I, maybe that's why I'm bashing on him so hard. I'm pretty jealous. Is that why? Is that the main thrust of your jealousy? Yes. Yeah, yeah the paycheck. It's the only part. Oh, that's it. No, it's not the only part. It's and the he's, polished. He's, he's very no, polished. He's all, very good. It's all, Sugats, it's all of it. He's on everything, and right. you want to be on everything. I mean, this is a man who has hosted the NFL draft. He hosts Get Up. He's hosted the Masters. I mean, these are all properties I'd like to be a part of, and uh, I, I never will be. So, he's yeah, hosted of course. the Masters, has he? Yeah, he has. Yeah. The master is brought to you by Stugatz. I mean, I would be interested. Yeah, in I would that. tune in for that too, actually. I'm, okay, well, let's get serious again. Now, walk me through the decision process of leaving ESPN, though, fellas. Because I, I, I know it had been a little rough for a while there. Whenever I saw you, Dan, you in particular had just had that dead look in your eyes. But what was like the last straw? Was it them giving a TV show to Eli Manning? Because that would have done it to me. It was not giving it to Eli Manning. It was when Chris Cody, the son of Greg Cody, a lifelong friend of mine, was let go. That was when the relationship was essentially over and we decided to end it amicably. I just followed Dan. <laughs> and by amicably, you mean filled with bitterness, of course. 
I understand that. I thought the most insulting thing was them moving you to ESPN+. Plus. I mean, when I heard that, I was just disgusted. I mean, they, they had to know full well. There was no way that any reasonable human being would pay extra money to watch your show. And then they moved you there anyway. That was just callous. <laughs> so now that your show is untethered, boy, you've, you guys have really embraced the pirate theme over there. I mean, you've leaned into that to the point where it's bordering on cultural appropriation now. I mean, I know it's all fun and games to wear an eye patch and throw around yars and everything, but some of us in the room, speaking on myself, have actually had scurvy, as I mentioned before. So it's not funny to me. It's not fun, nor is it funny. That's how I lost one of my molars, is, is scurvy. So I hate to turn the tables on sport radio's social justice powerhouse, but do you feel like you potentially owe the pirate community an apology since you love apologizing so much lately? We have probably gotten carried away with the whole pirate theme. It's probably been excessive. And I think this is a fine place for me to apologize for that as well, to add it to my long list of apologies. I just want to remind you that their culture is not a costume, okay? And it's not their responsibility to educate you two either. They don't have time. They're busy uh, surviving and hunting for treasure and such. Pillaging. Exactly. <laughs> Looting. Um, I'm very proud of you, Dan. Despite my teasing, I have been listening to the show. I'm proud of you as well, Stugatz. You, you both sound revitalized. You finally have freedom. Freedom. And you're, you're using that freedom to talk about how free you are almost all the time. <laughs> and, you know, for a podcast run by a bleeding heart liberal, boy, you've been throwing that word freedom around, I mean, a lot. More than a proud boy at a gun show. So explain to me, what are you actually going to do with this freedom? What are, what are the plans? Well, I think it's just get Stugatz more and more opportunities to feed his greed. I believe that that is why my parents left Cuba, so that Stugatz would have that ability. That works for me. Well, that is what it's amounting to. And now this connects with the Greenberg thing, the, the envy over his money and the getting Stugatz more money. Well, I hope that works out. I'm a little bit wary. This all does feel a little bit like when I went to uh, Occupy Wall Street. A lot of inspiring talk about fighting corporations, returning power to the people, and it eventually devolved into people shitting into a bucket next to a hacky sack circle. Did that happen, by the way, during that 24-hour marathon? Were people shitting in buckets during that? I did. I, I, I shit in a red cup. Good aim. <laughs> that must have taken years of pride. You started with a bucket, and you eventually worked your way down to one of those red solo cups. Yeah, Jim, I think if you hold it close enough, you don't really need to aim. It's not about, you know, dropping it in. It's about placing the cup so you can feel it right around your colon so that it just drops right in there. Mm-hmm, yeah. You sound like you're talking from experience. Have you done that? No, I haven't, but I imagine, you know, it's like a soft-serve ice cream situation. You just sort of, you put it right up there and just sort of let it spiral in. Jesus Christ. Do you actually let it kind of swirl in? Do you kind of like move your butt around slowly? It's a... Top it off with some sprinkles. It would depend on his bowel movement and uh, what that looked like and, and how much uh, pliability it had. Eh, you're dead on. As usual, your analysis is impeccable. Well, that 24-hour marathon thing, it sure looked like it smelled like shit in there. So, um, boy, am I glad I wasn't there in person. Stugatz, how has this freedom affected you? Because I know that now Dan is free to go on woke rants without ESPN having a panic attack. But what does Stugatz Unleashed look like? Really the same exact thing it looked like at ESPN, to be honest with you. Yeah, you just don't change. You're just, you're like the rock of Gibraltar. I just want to talk sports, I mean, and rank quarterbacks. That's what I like to do, Jim. We're going to get to that in a minute. Oh, wow. Get through the psychoanalysis part. Actually, speaking of Stugatz's greed, 
Congratulations, fellas, on DraftKings giving you 50 million bucks. My, was there any stipulations on that money? Did they say less Stugats? That would have made sense to me. Did they say, all right, here's the money, but Stugats should quiet down. Anything? I haven't met anyone at DraftKings. Really? They just handed you 50 million bucks and they haven't even... They didn't They didn't hand it to me. They just sort of sprinkled it all over the business. But we haven't gotten anything from DraftKings yet. We have not gotten a single payment from DraftKings yet. We are still hemorrhaging money. I have. Stugatz has figured out how to get paid. Did they sprinkle it much like uh, Sheena sprinkles Jimmy's over her poop in a solo cup? Is that kind of was the style of it? Right, so Sugats, that's not true, right? Sugats, you haven't really gotten paid. Like, you guys still, you're promised this money, but you haven't received it yet. Is that correct? Well, Dan hasn't. But you really have. You I really don't have know how he's gotten it. He may have finagled <laughs> something. I don't know at any point if the authorities, I've always assumed that that's the way this will end with a SWAT team or FBI agents raiding the place. But we do not get paid by DraftKings until the end of this month. For the month's work, it will be our first payment from DraftKings. Except somehow Stu has. I mean, maybe the stipulation was less Dan. Uh, what's going on here? Man, that might be what happened here. I wasn't aware of it, that they've been negotiating with Stugatz. I did notice, speaking of fear, that some of the people in your crew, they disappeared after the 24-hour marathon. I mean, were they sacrificed to the DraftKings? Be honest now. Was, is the human sacrifice part of what they want? We can't talk about what happened to Mike Ryan publicly, the lawyers have told us, but Mike Ryan has not been here since, and we should just leave it at that. All right. I'm, mostly this is an intervention to make sure everybody's all right, which I'm getting actually, maybe they aren't, but that's fine. Mike's not all right, to be clear. Mike is not in any way all right, but the rest of us have survived it. I'm sorry to hear that, but I'm kind of sorry that I that I banged on him and called him uh, lazy and whiny. I should either be sorry about it, I guess, or uh, triumphant about it, because, you know, I'm not sure which. Maybe a combination of both. Jim struggles with male authority figures. I don't like anybody telling me what to do, even if they're trying to help me out. Sometimes during uh, the recording session, he'll just scream out, don't tell me what to fucking do, Dad, at Mike. It's, uh, it actually might have been Jim that broke him. Make sure you're recording. I'm like, fuck you. You record. Record your own shit, fucker. I say that to him. Sure Mike handles that well. Maybe I drove him away. I mean, let's face it. I showed up and now he's gone. I mean, maybe it's my fault. I mean, I do have that effect on people. Is that what happened? Is this an intervention on me? You're here to tell me you're not working with me anymore and I should tone it down? We're just here to help you because Colin Cowherd ghosted you. The herd. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying the herd. Uh, Stu Gatz. Making sure you knew, Jim. Why do you yeah. think he got all that money from DraftKings? That's mm -hmm. the note that he hits again and again. All right, moving on from this semi-awkwardness. You are, you got a big crew you are amassing over there now. I mean, Mike Ryan aside. Lots of former ESPN people, old pals of yours. Every time I turn on the show, there's a new person that has joined the, the pirate crew. Stu Gatz, what is it about Dan that draws people to him? I mean, other than, you know, widely publicized access to, to 50 million bucks, which is what drew me in. <laughs> I think it's the loyalty, Jim, um, the loyalty to everyone who works on this show. I think that's that's the main draw, the honesty, the loyalty, you know, everything that I'm not. <laughs> right. May I suggest that you bring Kirkjian over next, Tim Kirkjian, because he's very susceptible to peer pressure. One time, guys, me and Buster only, we convinced him to eat a baseball. We said, hey, you like baseball so much, why don't you eat it? And he did. He unstitched it, and uh, he ate the whole goddamn thing, and he was sick for weeks. So if he did that, you know, you could convince him to come with you. Why don't you try Kirkjian? 
this assumes that we wouldn't want Kirkshin over here. He's just under contract with somebody else. He's got a good job. It's pretty well established. I don't know that he has any issues with anybody that he works with or for. And so I think he's very happy. But we'd love to have Tim Kirkshin over here, obviously. I don't think I'm tampering when I say that. You could convince him he doesn't like his situation. He's like the stormtrooper with uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. ESPN's not working out for you. ESPN's not working out. This isn't the job you're looking for. This isn't the job I'm looking for. It'd be really easy. I mean, you know, it's kind of touching you guys talking about how much it means to you that all these people are taking a chance on you. And I want you guys to know, all kidding aside, from the bottom of my heart, I would drop you in a minute if I got a better offer. I just want you guys to know that. I've told Cena this before. I'm here for the money. I'm sure you think of me as the person most likely to betray you. Who else on your staff do you think would be second place to me? Who else is kind of likely to screw you over, you think? Well, I think we agree on this. I think it's a consensus. It's me. I don't think that there's in any fact, question. In fact, I think I'm ahead of you, Jim. <laughs> I think that, yes. In fact, you're a distant second, Jim. Right. No matter how much you like money, no matter how, and it could go without stating. Thank you, Dan. I think that Stugatz absolutely is the king of, uh, of this particular DraftKings scenario. Thank you again. So Stu Gatz is the one who's, even in front of me, most likely to just, if a better offer comes along, so long, Levitard. Well, he flirted with Greenberg. He flirted with Golick. He's flirted with Tony Baselli. Who am I missing here? I do feel, I've said this before, I'm William H. Macy in Boogie Nights. I keep showing up expecting him to be on the driveway with Mike Golick because he's finally left me for greeny pastures. I'm still working on it. Um, Diana Rossini is <laughs> another one. So, all right. Well, I guess Dan's happy that didn't work out for you. I certainly am. I'm not sure. The jury's still out. I understand. But, I mean, big plans for Meadowlark Entertainment, right? L- long list of things you guys want to do. Podcasts, TV shows, uh, dinnerware, uh, line of bidets with your face on it. I-, I forget if you actually said that last one, but, boy, I personally can't wait to have my undercarriage sprayed clean by the Dan Lebidet. I really, uh, I want that to happen for me. All right, we only have one sports story to talk about. Sheena, why don't you throw it out there on the table? So unfortunately, the big story of this year's NBA playoffs has been the injuries. A record number of All-Stars have already missed playoff games this year, and those injuries have played a huge part in the unexpected early exits for championship favorites like the Brooklyn Nets and Los Angeles Lakers. LeBron James took to Twitter to scold the NBA brass for allowing such a short offseason following the bubble. He said, quote, They all didn't want to listen to me about the start of the season. I knew exactly what would happen. I only wanted to protect the well-being of the players, which ultimately is the product and benefit of our game. These injuries aren't just a part of the game. It's the lack of pure rim rest before starting back up. I speak for the health of all of our players, and I hate to see this many injuries this time of year. Sorry, fans. Wish you guys were seeing all your favorite guys right now. First of all, pure rim rest. What the hell is that? Sounds like a break from anal sex. I don't even understand... What that phrase is. I mean, Dan, now that you're a big businessman of your own, do you have any more sympathy for the NBA pushing their employees to the breaking point? Does the relentless pursuit of profit at the expense of uh, human well-being make more sense to you now that you're rolling in, uh, in DraftKings cash, at least theoretically? I haven't been naive about these things historically, but even I have been surprised at the way the corporate greed has turned these bodies into disposable things that can be thrown into a meat grinder because it has soiled these NBA playoffs for me the obvious way that the bodies have been broken by the need to satisfy the television contracts. It's distorted the product, the measurement, and the champion for me. I'm surprised to hear you say that, actually. 
folks can't see this because it's a podcast, but this whole time, Dan's wearing a top hat and he has a monocle, and he's not even sitting on a chair. He, he's sitting on the ba- a stack of human beings that he's got piled up there of his crew. And, you know, Dan, it's not like these injuries are coming out of nowhere. I mean, most of these guys who are hurt are guys who have a long history of injuries, Kyrie and AD and Kawhi. I mean, maybe it's simply that if these guys spend enough time in the playoffs together, their injuries sync up like pheromones, like a menstrual cycle. Maybe that's it. Like a menstrual cycle? Yeah, like you know how women will get on the same cycle if they're around each other because their pheromones kick in and all of a sudden, you know, they're kind of going at the same time. Maybe that's what's going on with these NBA injuries. Stugatz, you want to attack the menstrual cycle? (laughs) I really don't know how to. Uh, We are shocked that corporations, Jim, uh, don't care about people and only want to make money. Uh, I am shocked that we're shocked by that, to be honest with you. And... The guy I'm tired of seeing late in the postseason is LeBron. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm I'm perfectly fine with how these playoffs have played out. Kevin Durant, I have a newfound respect for him because he's trotting around with Jeff Green and uh, and Blake Griffin, and so I'm perfectly fine. Like Devin Booker versus Giannis in the NBA Finals, to me, that's fantastic. Totally agree. I mean, I'm disappointed in the injuries, and I agree with you about the corporate greed. But I can't deny that there's a part of me that's a little glad we're not going to see the Nets in the finals. I mean, because that team, when healthy, was just so undeniably the superest of the super teams. Then winning a championship, that just would have been boring. I mean, like watching Floyd Mayweather beat up on Logan Paul all over again. All right, before you guys go, got to end the podcast like we always do with a little game. And the game we're going to play today is directed right at Stu Gotts. And it's actually inspired by a moment from your podcast. Sheena, do we have this clip? Let's play the clip. The best graduating senior is the valedictorian. Ah, the so, VV. Why VV? I don't know. Is that how you spell it? You think it starts with two Vs? <laughs> Silent V at the beginning. Oh, is that what? Yeah, of course. Everyone knows that. What do you mean the VV? No, you're valedictorian. What, 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 what? Oh, he thinks it's valedictorian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Because they won first place, Victoria. I mean, I spent my whole life thinking that. So, Stugatz, you believe that the word for valedictorian was actually valid Victorian. (laughs) It's a term you were apparently so familiar with. It was so integrated into your daily vocabulary, you needed to shorten it with a VV. You said, oh, a VV. Now, Stugatz, you're clearly a very learned man. I mean... It can't be that you're just some kind of blithering, blathering idiot. Your mind must have been elsewhere, specifically the Victorian era. I mean, that must have been what you were thinking about. So uh, I'm going to give you a chance to redeem yourself here with this little game, which we call Valid Victorian. Okay? That's the game. Got it. Sheena's going to name famous historical figures, and you will tell us if they were alive during the Victorian era or not. In other words... Are they valid Victorians or invalid Victorians? Are you ready? I am ready, Jim. All right, Sheena, what is our first Victorian? Oscar Wilde. Oscar Wilde. Ah, the big O. (laughs) Yes, to you, yeah, to his friends. I'm going to say valid Victorian. You're right, Stu Gatz. He was alive in the Victorian era. Boy, you are a big Oscar Wilde fan, so I want to start you off easy. You do know who he is, right? All kidding aside... Are you picturing him living in a trash can talking to Big Bird? You're not doing that, are you? Ask some follow-up questions. Let's see if he knows who Oscar Wilde I'm is. I'm imagining him averaging a triple-double for a season. Yeah, the bad, no, he's not Oscar Robertson. That's, oh. that's the big O. Do you know who Oscar Wilde is? Any, what did he do? What's he famous for? Sculptor. 
Oh, my goodness. My goodness. Should have left it at uh, him getting the answer right. No, he was a, he was a wonderful author and, and a poet and playwright and one of the wittiest men ever lived. He was the Stugatz of the Victorian era. All right, Chino, number two. Victorian number two. Guy Fawkes? Guy Fawkes. Foxy. <laughs> Foxy. I'm going to say uh, non-valid Victorian. Invalid. Or invalid. How about that? We understand you, Stugatz, which is part of what's concerning me. I know, I know, uh, know what you're talking about. Two for two. Say. It's like how I am with my dad, you know. He just kind of blathers, and I understand what he means. Uh, you're right, though. He was an invalid Victorian. He died in 1606. Uh, he was part of the uh, failed gunpowder plot to blow up Parliament. And uh, I'm surprised you knew him. He didn't come through in the clutch. He's not a Stugatz kind of guy. You like guys who can do it when it counts. Guy, guy Fawkes, one of history's greatest chokers. I'm stunned that Stugatz is two for two right now on the, on the Victorian age while thinking Oscar Wilde is a sculptor. I'm trying to figure out if his pauses are him texting or Googling. Oh, uh, you're not cheating, are you? He's counting his money. He's I am not. He's been doing this since we left the ESPN. Every time yes. he's not paying attention, it's because he's counting his money or checking his bank account. I like my money organized. It has to be in a certain way, you know, big bills to small bills, stuff like that. So, no, I'm, I'm not trying to be rude. I am counting money, um, and I'm two for two. He's also getting paid where you're not, Dan Levitard. I don't, I don't understand what's going on over there. All right, Victorian number three. Charles Dickens. Charles Dickens. Mm, Dickie. Dickie. We got Foxy, we got Big O and Dickie. Charles Dickens. Yeah. One of the all-time greats. Oh, boy. I'm going to say uh, Dickens is a valid Victorian. Yeah, I'm almost annoyed that you're right. You know what it did, right? Do you know what it did? Do you, do you, have you heard of Charles Dickens? I, I, my goodness. What do you think Charles Dickens was famous for? Dickie, as you Sir Charles. Um, Boy, and he was not the round mound of rebound. You can eliminate that. I think, uh, wasn't he, um... Oh, boy. Oh, boy. A poet, maybe, perhaps? Losing faith in humanity as I listen to Stugatz. Um, yeah, no, well, he wrote, he, he wrote books. Uh, perhaps the greatest novelist uh, uh, ever. Uh, one of his great novels was Great Expectations, Stugatz. Something I, boy, I did not have going into this game with you, and I was right. <laughs> No, you weren't right. He has exceeded every single expectation. He's gotten everything right Batting while, a thousand, while I mean. not knowing any of the people you're talking about or anything about the Victorian age. Yeah, well, much like Jeff Zucker at CNN, he has failed upwards each time. <laughs> Let's go to Victorian number four. I'm picking on a lot of people this podcast. Victorian number four. This should be good. Okay. Florence Nightingale. Florence Nightingale. Flow. Oh. She's, it's not the insurance lady. I want to say uh, invalid Victorian. Finally, you were wrong. She oh, is man. a valid Victorian. Mm. Let me ask. I should have asked this earlier. Do you know what the Victorian era is? Are these just these are just wild guesses? We've established that. Do you even know what the Victorian era is? What am I even talking about? Any ballpark of when it was? The years Michael Vick played in the NFL. I thought you were going to Shane go, Victorino I, I, in baseball. I thought you were actually going to go Victor Vic, Cruz. Victor Oladipo's years in Indiana is yeah. what I thought you were going to do. Yeah, it was when Queen Victoria was alive and, and Queen in England. Uh, 1837, about 1901. I'm sure this will clue you right in and now you're going to get every answer from, from now on. The Cody era. 
There's more valid. There's a couple more. I, yeah, no, I'm really happy. There's more. Yeah. So am I. Florence Nightingale. Do you know what she did? Any any clue? Who she was? Name sounds familiar. Yeah, I'm sure it does. Singer? No, boy. She revolutionized nursing, us two gods. In terms you can understand, she changed the game. She's like the Steph Curry of nursing. She just shot morphine into people's arms from half court. Can you picture her now? That helped. Thank you, Jim. Sure, no problem. All right, we just have a... Oh, we got like three more. <laughs> Boy, it's more awkward than I thought it was going to be. It's also longer than the Victorian era. Michael Vick didn't play that long. <laughs> he did not, no. Uh, next one, next Victorian. Benjamin Disraeli. Disraeli. Victorian or not? Benji. Benjamin Disraeli? Disraeli, yes. As opposed to all the other Benjamins from history that you're aware of. Um, I'm going to say that's a, uh, a valid Victorian. Yeah, that's right. Boy, I didn't, I, you know, I, I didn't have you pegged as a big Disraeli head, Stu Gatz. I'm not even going to bother asking if you know who it is, because I know you don't. He, he's Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. He was. And he was the only Jewish Prime Minister. You know, so I would have considered the wrong answer as uh, self-hatred, as anti-Semitism. All righty. The next Victorian, Sheena. Emma Bunton. Emma Bunton. Uh, Bunty. Um, yeah. Lost Art of Bunting. Mm-hmm. Emma Bunton. Mm. I'm going to say invalid Victorian. <laughs> You're absolutely right. This is crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's, he, he's, uh, he's five for six. Do you know who she was? Who Emma Bunton is? Any clue? Mm. That was just sad noise. <laughs> that is uh, <laughs> it was a sad well, noise. Well, what, what you will love about this, mm. Brock Meyer, is I've been making fun of Stu Gatz ever since we got with DraftKings. He's gotten lazier and lazier, and one of his go-to moves is just an incoherent mutter that is mm. not in any way broadcast understandable. <laughs> like that? Like, mm. Yeah, it's <laughs> disturbing. Mm. When you make that noise, keep your hands rag and see him, okay? Because it's weird. Uh, Emma Bunton is actually one of the Spice Girls. She's Baby Spice, specifically. But the Spice trade was very important to Victorian England. So, you know, thought there might be... It was kind of a a trick question, in a way. Well, I wasn't tricked. He wasn't, and he continues to not be tricked by any of these questions. (laughs) That's true. All right, finally. Finally, Sheena, last one. Alfred Pennyworth. Alfred Pennyworth. Ah, Penny. Penny. Penny, Bunty, Foxy, Alfie, Alfie. What's it all about, Alfie? Another reference I'm sure you don't get. I'm gonna say uh, invalid Victorian. It's so annoying because you have no, you don't even know who Alfred Pennyworth is. You know who he is? Played with Shaq, Magic. Or... He's Batman's butler, you dope. Boy, I tell you something. This is, you know, something. I'm glad we did that. You're six for seven. This is, this is indicative. This is your whole career. <laughs> he always wins. Yeah. He You're wrong. Wins. You couldn't yes. be a bigger <laughs> idiot. You're wrong. You made noises. You, <laughs> that's right. Nothing. Yes, it was just it's, it's brain death. And yet, yeah. six for seven, and you get paid, and Lebetard doesn't. Absolutely yeah. unbelievable. Play the entire game, counting cash. <laughs> You're an inspiration to me. Thank you. Well, you did very well. So your prize for this academic achievement is being named the valedictorian of valid Victorians. So congratulations yes. to you. Thank you. Thank you. I've, I've lost the vote to live Thank in the you. process. So thanks uh, thanks for being here, fellas. I'm sorry that Cowherd <laughs> ghosted you, Brock Meyer. I'm sorry. I wasn't. Now I'm really sorry because the way this all worked out, uh, you know, 
I'm even more longing for uh, coward. I actually really, I've lost faith in you, man. I thought you'd know like a couple of these people, Stugat. So I didn't realize. <laughs> it ruins the game, correct? When I'm he gets sorry. When he gets out six out of seven, it ends up ruining the game. Such a loser. He knew no one and got six out of seven right. I don't even understand. Jesus Christ. Sorry, Jim. <laughs> That's all right. No, good on you, Stugat. I was guessing. Apparently. Go to Vegas. That's my suggestion right now. Go to Vegas right now and just, you know, guess black or red. Reminds me of my favorite joke. I hate jokes. Want to hear a joke? Yes. A little yes. bonus track for the listeners. Okay, so can I, keep in mind, I hate jokes. This is the one joke that makes me laugh. One joke. So a uh, guy wakes up in the middle of the night. Here's this ghostly voice. Ghostly voice, middle of the night. Like, wake up, wake up. It's like, what the hell? Voice says, get dressed, get dressed. Gets dressed, freaking out. Leave the house, leave the house. Leaves the house. So I won't bore you with, you're supposed to stretch it out so the voice does, you know, but the voice tells him to get in the car and pack up all his stuff and first thing in the morning go to the bank and take out all his money that he owns and fly to Vegas, go to Vegas, goes to Vegas, go to the Wynn, the Wynn Hotel, goes to the Wynn Hotel. The ghostly voice says, go to a roulette table, roulette, roulette table. Ghostly voice says, put it all on black, black. Puts every penny he has on black. Wheel spins, comes up red. Ghostly voice goes, fuck. <laughs> Only joke I like. <laughs> 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 See, because the ghostly voice was just some That's idiot right. friend of his. That's right. It is. <laughs> I, thought, I thought he knew something, but he didn't know. He no, didn't know, know anything. anything. Just that wanted to gamble. That, that, <laughs> he was dead and missed gambling and just wanted. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Well, that's the show, folks. Be sure to check back with us again in two weeks for another installment of the Jim Brockmeyer podcast. And don't forget to hop, skip, and jump. Follow, rate, review. You don't even try anymore, Jim. I do not. Thanks to Mike Ryan, Meadowlark Media, and Funny or Die. We will see you all next time.